Thanks to FreshBooks for supporting the Productivity Show. Join the 24 million people who've used FreshBooks. Try it free for 30 days, no catch and no credit card required. Go to freshbooks.com forward slash TPS and enter TPS in the how did you hear about us section to get started. Thanks also to Fiverr for supporting the Productivity Show. It's so easy to find freelance talent for your business or product. Don't waste any more time. Get 10% off and the service you deserve by going to FIVERR.com and use code TPS. Welcome to the Productivity Show, a podcast by Asian Efficiency to help you maximize your productivity so you can get everything done without having to sacrifice your health, family, and things that matter to you. We've helped tens of thousands of people save time, be happier, and become more productive. Now, I did a Google search for productivity advice and brought back 210 million results. A lot of those results are giving back the same advice over and over again. And a lot of times, we just accept it for what it is. Someone puts it in a book, so it must be true, right? Well, here's the thing, though. It may not be true for you. In this episode, we're going to share our controversial opinions on productivity. Things that we believe, even though they may not be conventional wisdom or people may not be willing to talk about them. You can find links to everything that we share in the show notes by going to theproductivityshow.com slash 292. And now, on with the show. And welcome to another episode of The Productivity Show. Hey Brooks, how's it going? I'm excellent. How are you? You ready to get controversial? I know we're going to be talking about controversial opinions today about productivity and how to be more efficient and how to get stuff done. But before we do, I just want to make sure everybody knows who I am and who you are. So my name is Tan. I'm the founder and CEO of Asian Efficiency, where we help people become more productive at work and in life. And I'm Brooks, the operations director of Asian Efficiency. And we are, like Tan said, the co-hosts of the Productivity Show. So one of the things we always like to do every time we start a episode is to share some of our favorite resources. So I have three here today. The first one is Grailed. It's an online consignment shop for designer apparel. So if you love designer clothing, if you want to be more sustainable, if you care about that sort of stuff, then going to an online consignment shop, I think is a great way to go when it comes to updating your wardrobe. So grilled.com. It's spelled G-R-A-I-L-E-D, grill.com is a great resource for that. The second one is an app, both available on iOS and Android, called Dailyo. So this is an app I started using very recently, and it's all about how you can track your mood every single day on an app and get a visual representation of what your mood is like on a weekly and daily basis. So this is something that I've been very interested in and in just trying to track how can I optimize my mood every day by just looking at things that I do on a daily basis and see what are some of the things that bring my mood up and what are some of the things that bring my mood down. So this is an app that I use to kind of track that. So Dailyo. And then the third one is an app for editing your photos, both available on iOS and Android as well, called Snapseed. So if you love editing photos or if you want to get better at just editing photos in general, I think this is the gold standard when it comes to editing photos on your mobile phone. So go check out Snapseed. Highly recommend it. So those are our three resources for today. And again, if you missed anything, you can find links to all of that in the show notes as well. Just go to theproductivityshow.com slash 292 and you'll find links to everything there. If you're listening to us right now on a podcast app, 
then just go to your podcast app and you'll see the notes and links in there as well. So Brooks, you and I are going to be talking about controversial opinions on productivity. Would you mind sharing with everybody how we came up with this topic? Right. Well, we were kind of thinking to ourselves, there's all this productivity advice out there and you hear a lot of, a lot of times, and this is especially true if you read a lot of productivity books, which we do, which is a lot of times it starts sounding the same. You start hearing the same things over and over again, but we got to thinking just because you read something in a book, does that actually make it true? And sometimes we read things and then we think, yeah, that might work for some people, but we found that doing the opposite thing actually has a greater impact. So when we were putting together ideas for an episode, we decided, hey, let's just bring it all together, talk about some of the things that we think that not everybody might think and uh, see where it goes. So yeah. Yeah, so whether you're new to productivity, then you're going to enjoy this episode a lot because it's going to help you save time and get the real answer of what is actually working, not necessarily what's popular. And if you've been studying productivity for a while, but you haven't really found your stride yet, maybe it might be the opposite of what is being told out there that you should be doing. So this could be the thing that kind of finally kicks you into gear and will actually work for you. So we're going to share four controversial opinions on productivity and and I'm using the word controversial just because I truly believe or Brooks truly believes that this is the way to go. And again, some people might not like these opinions. Some people might say, hey, that's actually not the way it should be. But this is something that we want to share from our own experience. So this is something that we've seen work really well for us and for lots of other people. And so we want to share those with you today. Okay, so if you do have a strong opinion about the things that we're sharing today, just email us at podcast at asianefficiency.com and we would love to hear your thoughts on this as well. All right, so let's start with the first one. And this is my first take, as I like to call it. And my first take is that morning people are more productive than night owls. The people who wake up early, I'm talking 4 or 5, 6 a.m. in the morning, are more productive than people who stay up late and get their work done late at night. And there's a couple of reasons for this. One is when you wake up early, you have the most control of your day and your body. After a good night of sleep, after waking up, let's say, 4 or 5 in the morning, you'll see that most people are still asleep. So it's really calm. It's really relaxing in the morning. Two, you just finished waking up, so you have the most energy and focus around that time. And again, assuming you slept pretty well. If you combine those two, plus you know exactly what you need to do, even if it's just for an hour or so, one hour of focus time in the morning is more productive than any other hour in the day. And I think that's why when you have the most control of your day, which is usually in the morning, you can accomplish a lot of great things. And it kind of sets you up for a success as well. And something we've always talked about is eating your frog, right? It's the whole idea of like doing the most important thing first thing in the morning. And this is kind of related to that. And another thought on this is that one of the things that I talk about as well is this concept called time arbitrage. And it's the idea that not every single hour of the day is of equal value. So we all know that we have the same 24 hours in a day, and that's true for you, and that's true for me, but what I've discovered is that not every single hour of the day is of equal value. So to give you an example, I'm the least productive between 11 p.m. and midnight, right? I might be out somewhere socially, I might have a tequila or a mezcal, 
I love my whiskeys as well. And if I have any of that, I'm not productive whatsoever, right? Or I'm also very tired towards the end of the day. And so that hour is not the same value to me compared to, say, 6 a.m. and 7 a.m. Because after I wake up, usually around 5.30 or 6, I have the most energy and focus and enthusiasm to actually get stuff done. And so even though it's the same hour, right, in terms of time units, the value that I can create out of those hours or that they're valuable to me uh, or the value to me is not the same whatsoever. And so when you think about the 24-hour cycle, not every single hour is of equal value. And that's why I always think that the morning hours are the most valuable part of your day because, again, you have the most control, assuming you slept pretty well, you have the most energy and focus. And so I inherently believe that morning people, for that reason, are more productive than night owls. So you're not just saying, you're actually like really drawing a line in the sand. You're not just saying, oh, it's more productive in the morning. You're actually saying like people who wake up early in the morning are literally more productive than night owls. What about that stereotype of people who are working on a project or something and they're, or maybe they're waiting until their family goes to bed and then they just go into total crunch mode. You know, they grab some coffee, they grab some Mountain Dew or something like that and just like crush it on a, a project that they're working on. You don't think that that is kind of as productive as structuring it to do it in the morning if possible? Now, there's this thing and concept called chronotype that I do believe in. And a chronotype is basically the idea that everybody falls into like one of three buckets. Like you're either a morning person, you're either a night owl, you're like somewhere in between. And most people are in between, right? And so there's this inherent idea that some bodies are programmed to be more energized, productive late at night. But it's also a very small group of people in the same way that most people fall in the middle buckets, right? And there's only a small group of people that are truly morning people, right? And so if you think about the majority group of people, the morning people and the people in the middle of the bucket, if you take that into account, then I would say that for most people, being a morning person or becoming a morning person is the way to go for that reason. Because again, you have the most control in the morning when it comes to your day. And also, again, not every single hour of the day is of equal value for that reason, right? And so, yeah, I can talk about survivorship bias, right? Meaning, oh, this person, you know, got stuff done late at night, so it must work for them, right? Which is a very simple cognitive bias that you see all the time. But we just look at the signs and the data that, you know, most people fall in the middle or somewhere in the morning. And if you combine that, that's the majority of people. So I think... For most people that are listening, they really should be trying to focus their time and energy on getting a good night of sleep and for that reason waking up early so that they can get stuff done. Because also it sets the tone for the rest of the day, right? If you get something really important done first thing in the morning, it kind of sets yourself up for success for the rest of the day. So by the time you go to work or need to get other stuff done, it's relatively easy because you got the hardest thing and most important thing done anyway. Yeah, and if you are somebody who traditionally has considered yourself a night owl and you this sounds good and you sound like okay well even though I've always thought of myself a night night owl I want to at least try to do what Tan's talking about try this morning thing Uh, we actually did a podcast a while ago called eight strategies for waking up early and becoming a morning person so if you don't consider yourself a morning person uh, I personally am a morning person but if you don't consider yourself one check out TPS 130 and we'll have a link to that in the show notes where we take you through ways that you can actually 
turn yourself into a morning person or at least somebody who can be productive in the morning. All right, Bucks, I'm curious to hear what is your first take? All right, so my first take, as you say, is that I really believe that you should move all of your meetings to a single day, all the ones that that you can move to a single day. Because if you think about all the meetings that you have during a week at work, and sometimes even sometimes even in your personal life, but I'm usually talking about work. If you think about all the meetings that you have in the week, and now think about all the disruptions that all those meetings cause. So you've got, sure, the time of the meeting, maybe you've got a, a 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. meeting or something like that. So you've got that or 1 p.m. to 2 p.m. You've got that one hour of the meeting time, but the disruption is not just that. It's also the meeting prep, but it's also that chit-chat before and after. You're walking to the meeting room and you bump into people. You sit down in the meeting room. You're catching up on things. Maybe you're talking about things after the meeting. So that adds up. But where meetings really cause a lot of disruption is by messing up the flow and the focus and maybe you're you have something to do that day but you don't want to start it because you know you have a meeting in half an hour and so you've got all this stuff around meetings that is way more impact than just the actual time of the meeting itself so one solution to this is called meeting day so i actually first read about this concept in a book called scaling up by Vern Harnish, which I'll link to in the show notes. When I read about it, I thought it was crazy. I thought, oh, okay, well, you know, sure, that's something that he, they say, but that would never work. You know, that would never work here. And then Tan suggested it. And again, I thought it was kind of crazy, <laughs> but, you know, willing to give it a go. Uh, I figured, what's the risk? Just, we can just move everything back if it doesn't work out. So what we did is we spent time figuring out what day would work the best. And what we wanted to do is we had all these departmental meetings. We had our customer success meeting. We had our operations meeting. There was a finance meeting. There was a scrum meeting. So we had all these meetings throughout the week. And so what we did is we just looked at it. And we, we tried to, to figure out what is a day that would work for everybody. And you're never going to get 100% agreement on that one, especially if you're in a larger organization, obviously somebody's going to have to give something. And, and we found that as well. But what we ended up doing is we ended up choosing Wednesday. And I think it's about maybe a year and a half ago we did it, maybe even two years. We stacked all of our departmental meetings on a single day on Wednesday. So for me, my Wednesday would typically be, I would start meetings at 7.30 a.m. And, you know, I it's not like I really wanted to start my meetings at 7.30 a.m. However, what I found is that by starting my meetings at 7.30, and obviously it's different for whatever time zone everyone's in, I go till about 11 for my meetings, sometimes longer. But usually 11 o'clock is the cap. And by doing that, by consolidating all the meetings we have to a single day, what we found is we had, and I think everybody on the team would agree to this, is we get way more focus and deep work on the non-meeting days. So yeah, all of our meetings are clustered on the Wednesday, but for Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, we just have way more time for focus and deep work, and we can be way more productive than we were when we were always starting and stopping each day for these different meetings. We also found that we have better attendance in our meetings because everybody knows that the meetings are going to be on a, in our case, on a Wednesday. 
it's less likely that people are going to take time off on those days because they know that it's meeting day and we kind of discourage people when possible to not take that time off. So yeah, we've found that moving everything to one single day uh, on meeting day has been a huge help. And anytime we've ever talked about this externally, I think people have thought we're a little crazy. Uh, So that's why I consider this a controversial topic. But I I say, if you can give it a go, and I think you'll find what we've found. So have you found any downsides or negatives when it comes to move everything to meeting day? Because I can see how like if you move everything to one day, that means like you're literally in the meeting all day from like seven, in your case, till like noon. Yeah. Yeah. The meeting, the downsides of it are what you might think. So your productivity is generally going to be pretty compromised on meeting day. So if you are meeting, for me, I start early because I'm on Pacific time and the rest of the team is not. Uh, However, if you are more in the center of North America, then obviously it would be a bit more of a normal time for for you. So if you're in meetings all day on that day, you kind of have to accept that you're not going to get a huge amount of deep work done on that day. So when you're planning out your week, when you're structuring the work you're going to do throughout the week, you kind of have to understand that that meeting day is not going to be a super productive day outside of the meetings. So that's number one. And then number two, I guess a downside would be if somebody does miss meeting day, then that could have an impact. So if you have a decision maker or something that is not there on the Wednesday, then it makes it a little more difficult because you don't have their input for multiple meetings at once. They're not just missing one operations meeting, you know, they're missing like five meetings or four meetings or whatever. So that is an impact again. But I think at least for us, the pros have really outweighed the cons. Think back to when you started your small business. There were a million different tasks you had to do and you never felt like you had enough time to do them all. If you're like most business owners, you felt that way at least a little bit ever since. So why not make things a little easier? Our friends at FreshBooks have the solution. FreshBooks invoicing and accounting software is designed specifically for small business owners. It's simple, intuitive, and keeps you way more organized than that shoebox filled with crumpled and faded receipts. You can create and send professional-looking invoices in 30 seconds and have them paid two times faster with automated online payments. Even better, you can create and send customized invoices right from within the FreshBooks app. Invoicing has never been faster or easier than it is with FreshBooks. Just load up the app, a few taps, create the invoice, and you're good. There are nice reports that you can filter by client, by team member, or by date, so you can see where things are and then export them for your accountant if that's what they need. Have your invoices and expenses perfectly organized for tax time without stress, and FreshBooks grows alongside your business. You'll always have the tools you need when you need them without having to learn the ins and outs of accounting. Your accountant needs to deal with that stuff, not you. So join the 24 million people who have used FreshBooks. Try it free for 30 days, no catch and no credit card required. Go to freshbooks.com forward slash TPS and enter TPS in the how did you hear about us section to get started. Let's talk about finding freelance talent for your business or project. Finding the right freelancer can be time consuming, frustrating and expensive. Where do you go to find the talent? How much will it cost? How can you be sure they'll deliver what you need when you need it? Well, thanks to Fiverr, finding the right freelancer doesn't have to be a struggle. I've used Fiverr for lots of things, for web graphics, ad images, Photoshop touch-ups, 
book covers, even an SEO report. Everything was delivered on time and it was so nice to be able to do everything in one place on Fiverr and being able to see how they've done on other projects in the past similar to mine. Fiverr's marketplace helps you get more done with less. Fiverr connects businesses with freelancers who offer hundreds of digital services like graphic design, like I said, copywriting, web programming, film editing, and more. So take five and check out fiverr.com and you'll receive 10% off your first order using my code TPS. It's so easy, so don't waste any more time and get the service you deserve by going to fiverr.com code TPS. Fiverr, it starts here. So what about people who are listening to this episode, Brooks, they might say, well, that sounds great, and maybe I do agree with that, or I like that idea, but I'm not in a position to do anything about that. I'm not a manager. I'm not a leader. I can't change the meetings. What do I do then? I think there is, is a few things you can do, or at least you can try to do. Like you said, if, if you don't have the authority to change it, then there's only so much you can do. But one thing you can do is suggest it and champion it pretty safe bet that the higher ups in your organization have never even considered this. And if you go to them with a plan, not just say, hey, we should have meeting day, but say something like, hey, I heard of this great concept called meeting day. Here is some of the research I found. We did a podcast, TPS 195, called Six Tips for Running More Effective Meetings, where we talked about this concept in more detail. So check that out. Check out the Scaling Up book get some research on the benefits of this and also maybe put together a sample plan. Like this is a suggestion I have for how we could really optimize our meetings. Even if it doesn't end up happening, I guarantee that your superiors and the decision makers will appreciate you thinking outside the box and coming up with suggestions that will help productivity. So number one is to suggest and champion. Number two, And this really depends on your role and the amount of responsibility and influence that you have. But maybe you can do things like kind of carve out your own meeting day in the sense that maybe on Tuesdays and Thursdays, you have meetings that really, if you're really honest to yourself, you don't really need to be at. So maybe you can see if you are able to get out of a lot of meetings outside of as many meetings throughout the week that you can get out of. Sometimes you can, sometimes you can't, but you may be surprised how many meetings you can get out of or have the ability to maybe send a surrogate. So if you're a supervisor, maybe you can send a member of your team, empower them. There's always things, or not always, but there's often things that you can do if you really think about it to consolidate and eliminate the amount of meetings that you have to go to. And maybe you could move some of those meetings that you don't attend On a Thursday, let's say, maybe you could have a recap on a meeting day with one of your team to kind of get up to speed. So those are just a few suggestions of things you can do if you're not actually have the ability to influence when meetings actually happen. All right. So that is our second take here of today. And that is moving all your meetings to a single day. And uh, I know I was playing devil's advocate there, but I completely agree. Uh, Ever since we moved it to Wednesday, which is our day. I've just noticed much more productivity on other days, including myself and other team members as well. And the reason we picked Wednesdays because if you pick it on a Monday or a Friday, 
I like the idea of Friday because it's kind of like end of the week, you know, we're usually lower energy and that kind of stuff. But a lot of times people will go away on Fridays because they'll take an extended weekend. And so you'll have more people missing meetings that way. And it creates a lot of extra additional work when you do miss those meetings, which is one of the downsides, like we mentioned. And so if you pick it dead smack in the middle, Wednesday, typically people don't take a Wednesday off. <laughs> so uh, that's a great day to pick. And that's, that's one of the reasons why we picked it. So again, give it a shot. And if you don't have the position or authority to do so, champion it. And I, I will almost guarantee you that you'll see much more productivity gains than anything else. So again, that is our second take. Move all your meetings to a single day. All right, let's move on to our third one, and that is mine. And that is having money will make you more Asian efficient. Okay. And this is a take that I have because our culture, our industry is very much DIY, doing it yourself. You can do everything yourself, right? You can build your own rituals, you can build your own workout program, you can habit stack, you can do everything you want when it comes to productivity yourself. And a lot of people kind of shy away from the idea of like, what if you use other resources such as money to help you become more productive or make yourself more productive? Because I do see money as a force multiplier. It's essentially a resource that you can use to make yourself more productive or get the results you want faster, right? It can literally accelerate whatever you want, and which is one of the reasons I like to call it a force multiplier. Money to me is a force multiplier. Whatever you want, money can help you get there faster or get what you want faster, right? So to give you an example, uh, with money, you can hire people or labor to get things done for you, right? So for example, you see this happening every single day when you're running a business, you can do everything yourself, right? Being a entrepreneur or a business owner, or the alternative is you can use money that you generate from your business and reinvest that in hiring people so that you can have additional people helping you out do the things that need to be done, right? And that's essentially how Asian efficiency got built and you know, millions of other businesses all over the world. One person had an idea, did everything in the beginning, right? And then reinvested the money and revenue that got generated to then hire people, right? So that's one example. Uh, another example is you can hire an executive assistant, so that person can help you do stuff, right? So that you can focus on what matters and brings in the most value to your customer or the people that you know pay you versus, again, doing everything yourself, right? So if you have some money that you can afford to spend, hiring somebody like an executive assistant can help you with that. But also, if you, if you don't run a business, this still applies to you as well. For example, you can hire people on TaskRabbit, which is one of our favorite websites that we always recommend, where you can hire people by the hour, right, to do stuff for you, especially stuff that you dislike, right, versus you procrastinating, uh, trying to do it yourself because you, you know, you don't like doing it, so you're going to end up procrastinating doing stuff, right? So to give you an example, I spend every single month about fifty to eighty dollars on TaskRabbit by just hiring a handyman, and that person will literally come to my home. And oftentimes I don't know what needs to be done ahead of time, but when that person shows up, he will just like fix stuff in my you know, bathroom, in my kitchen, straighten out, you know, you know, paintings and, and, and artwork and stuff and stuff that I know I should be doing. Right. But I just don't like doing right. And I remember Brooks, you had an example the other day, like you had like a, like a closet or something or what, what was the example that you gave? 
Yeah, it's my office. I had some IKEA stuff to put together and I procrastinated forever because I I knew that there would just be a bunch of stuff around putting it together and so I was kind of procrastinating but then I decided even though I'm very capable of putting together IKEA furniture, I've done it dozens and dozens of times. Uh, I hired a, a TaskRabbit person. It was my first time, actually. They came in. They put together the bookshelf in my office. I was working upstairs, so I was earning income. I was I was being productive while he was putting together my bookshelf. And now I have uh, an awesome wall-to-wall bookshelf in my office that I would probably still be sitting here in the boxes <laughs> if it was up to me to do. Exactly. So if you're somebody who buys a lot of like furniture or Ikea stuff and you just hate putting it together, that's a really great example of how you can hire somebody to do that for you. And the good thing is oftentimes those kinds of people actually like doing that sort of stuff and they get paid for it, right? And so uh, it's kind of like a win-win situation for everybody, right? And uh, another example of my personal life is I'm pretty regimented and I'm pretty consistent when it comes to going to the gym, but I, I hate... And well, hate is a strong word, but uh, I really don't like figuring out my workout program, right? Going to bodybuilding.com or uh, any sort of like workout fad that's out there and then just trying to figure out what needs to be done. I can just hire a personal trainer and that personal trainer will figure it out for me, right? So I can get the results that I want faster when I can quote unquote use money to get the results that I want. And so hiring people or having labor to help you is an example of that. But you can also use money in different resources in different ways. For example, you can use services or pay for services to make your life easier. Right? So to give you an example, we've talked a lot about meal delivery versus cooking yourself. Yes, you can cook all the food you, yourself and you can go to the grocery store, pick your own bananas and avocados and whatnot. Or you can use a meal delivery and they just deliver meals to your door. Or same thing with groceries, you know, instead of you going yourself, you can have a grocery delivery service such as Instacart or even Whole Foods that now partners with Amazon, have them do it for you. And if they do a good job, then why would you do it yourself, right? And if you are really particular about your avocados and your bananas and if they have to be a certain color, get really good at delegating and and adding a description that says like, hey, this is how I want my bananas to be and feel like so that when they pick it for you, they do a good job of that. And I will say it's not 90, 100% of the time it's always the right thing or how you want it, but 90% of the time it is. And to me, that time savings, 90% of the time is worth more than the, you know, maybe 10% it's not. So again, you can use money to pay for services that make your life easier, more efficient, and so on, right? And uh, as we always like to say, happy people are productive people. So if you can use your money to be more happy or become happier, why not, right? So for example, one of the things that makes me happy is getting a massage every month, uh, sometimes even twice a month. And the happier I am, the more productive I am, the more excited I am about life and tackling projects and whatever's on my to-do list, right? And so reinvesting that is a great thing to do. Or if you're somebody who likes to go on vacation or trips, you know, setting aside money to do that consistently, if that makes you really happy and excited about stuff, then why not, right? Same thing with access. If you can use money to buy access to something, to a person or something that you want versus doing it yourself, that's another great way to invest money. So to give you an example, let's say you want to meet you know, a specific person you could try to network your way to that person, right? By finding the gatekeeper or somebody close to them and network with them. And then over time, get to meet this person. Or 
you can buy a $500 ticket to an event that they host and then meet him or her at the events and then have face-to-face meetings that way, right? So again, you're using money that way strategically as well. Another example is let's say you're sick, right? Or you have a specific health concern, right? Yes, you can go to google.com and read WebMD or other websites and, and figure out you know what you need to do. Or you can spend $1,000 and work with a specialist or get a consultation with somebody who really knows their stuff and has you know their cure figured out for you within you know one session versus you trying to figure it out yourself, testing it, trying to see if it works. You know, do, again DIY, right? Doing it yourself versus you know going to somebody who already has that figure out. So buying access that way. So again, money will make you way more efficient if you use it. And in our culture and industry, nobody really talks about that. So I really want to encourage you to use your money if you have it that you can use to you know make your life easier, definitely use it to your advantage. There's a lot to unpack here. And actually, I thought an interesting article, it really was thought provoking for me. You wrote an article a while ago called How I Spend $5,000 a Month to Win Back Time and Make Me Happier. And it talks about some of the things which you've touched on here as well, some of the things you do to use money to be a force multiplier. And I definitely agree that money can be a force multiplier and can definitely make you more productive. I think you gave a great example of the trend towards DIY. And sometimes that's not necessarily the best thing. You see this a lot with people building their business, starting out with their business. You'll see them spending like a ton of time trying to get their online shopping cart work with their online membership system or their website to dis- to hook in with their CRM. Like they, they spend a ton of time trying to do all this stuff themselves or they'll spend a lot of time designing a logo or trying to figure out their branding and stuff like that, which they would be much, much better served. And it would actually help their business if they just invested a bit to uh, have experts do that for them so they can actually focus on their business. I guess the question that I have, though, is if we agree that money makes you more productive and is a force multiplier, what do you do if you don't have it? <laughs> so maybe you're you know, starting out in your career. Maybe you've got some family situations, you know, whatever it is. If you don't have all this money to invest in all the different productivity enhancing aspects of your life, what do you do? Are, are you, are you screwed? Like, do you, should you just unsubscribe now <laughs> that this is productivity is only for people who have money or what do you think people should do if they like at this exact moment don't have all this money to invest in their productivity? Yeah, that's a great concern and very fair as well, because when I first started off learning about productivity, you know, I was a college student back in the day and I didn't have a lot of money back then. And I had to, you know, do with whatever resources I had in front of me. And so what I did have was actually a lot of energy at that time. And I had a lot of focus. I didn't have a lot of time, but I did have energy and and focus to do what needed to be done. And so that's what I used to my advantage, right? And when we talk about the T framework at Asian efficiency, we always talk about time, energy, and intention. And those three currencies are the most important when it comes to your productivity. And I didn't have a lot of time, but I did have a lot of energy and attention. So I needed to do the things that needed to be done myself, right? And so if you're somebody who doesn't have the position to spend money or have income that they can use to reinvest in hiring people or buying access or paying for services and stuff, then still do it yourself, right? And that's very much the culture we're in. 
which, which is what we describe. But we've also seen at Asian Efficiency, there are a lot of people who are a little bit beyond that, where they do have disposable income, but they're not using it. They're not spending the money to get the result that they want, even though they have the resources to do so. And I think that's a shame because our culture is very much, hey, you can do everything yourself. You should do it. But no, 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 that doesn't apply to everybody. There are certain groups of people, again, that don't have the income, right? And if that's you, then you have to do it yourself, right? But there's also a big group of people who do have the income, disposable income to spend. And I would say, hey, use that money to you know, make yourself happier, buy access to stuff or use services or hire people to make your life easier. And so I think everybody starts off from the bottom, right? If you don't have the resources to spend money, then do it yourself. But as you graduate and go up in life and you do have the income, then reinvest that as much as you can because it will just, again, it's a force multiplier. You'll get the results faster that way. Also, another thing that just popped in my mind is if you work in an organization, Investing money in your productivity is a, a force multiplier, just as if you owned a business, but it doesn't necessarily have to be your money. There can be sometimes cases where you can, and it, it kind of is similar to the meeting day thing. Anything in an organization is all about making the case and showing the benefit to the company. So I have heard of companies that will actually invest in an executive assistant, a virtual assistant for some of their people that where productivity is a really important part because it helps free them up and free them up to actually focus on the things that make the company money. So if you're in a role where that might apply to you, you may be able to make the case to, for example, let's say you're somebody who has a lot of grunt work working with, I don't know, Excel spreadsheet or something like that. Maybe you might be able to get somebody, a virtual assistant to help you do that type of work so that you can focus on the, the more higher value work. It's not always possible. It depends on your role and your organization. But a lot of times we think our default position on this stuff is, oh, that's not possible in my company, where if you give it some thought and really think about how you can make the case and how you can sell the benefits, you may be surprised at what you are able to convince your your bosses to pay for, especially if it's under a certain threshold that they have signing authority for. And again, if this point really resonates with you, then I highly recommend you check out the blog post where I talk about and break down how I spent $5,000 a month to win back time and make me happier. And not to give away everything there, but I'm actually not spending $5,000 a month. So I just want to make sure as you're listening to this that I'm not that rich or wealthy. But it's a thought exercise that we actually go over together as you read that blog post. So again, we'll link to it in the show notes as well. But it will really help you clarify and open up your eyes in terms of what you can do to free up time, energy, and resources if you did have the money to do stuff. So again, so that is our third take of today is having money will make you more Asian efficient. Okay. So let's move on to the fourth and final one here. And Brooks, I really like this one and I'm going to give you the floor, but uh, I know we're going to rile some people here and some people are going to be like, yes, I, <laughs> I get it now. Like this is why this doesn't work for me. So let's take it away. All right. Well, I'm glad you said that you really like it because uh, I was thinking uh, after I say what I'm about to say, I may I thought, oh, maybe I won't even uh, be the host of the productivity show anymore. But I really believe that you don't have to do your most important task first. 
everybody says that that's something you should do. You, you may have heard us and we talk about this a lot. We recommend this a lot. This concept of eating your frog. Uh, pretty much everything you read recommends it. If you're not familiar with that term, eating your frog, it comes from well, originally it came from a Mark Twain quote, uh, but really originated from a book called Brian Tracy called Eat That Frog. And we'll link to that in the show notes. We have an article that takes you through it as well. Also, we'll link it in the show notes. But the general concept, and we touched on this when we talked about how morning people are more productive than night people, that you should do your most important task first thing in the morning. Because generally the things that are the most difficult, the most critical, the most important are the ones that you're most likely to procrastinate about. Like maybe you'll go through your email instead of starting on that. And the idea is you get those out of the way first and then the rest of your day and the tasks throughout the rest of your day and week will just kind of like fall down like dominoes because you've gotten rid of that procrastination. So that's a generally, that's kind of conventional wisdom when it comes to productivity. Pretty much everyone recommends this. And I do think that it's super, super solid productivity advice. And for many, if not most people, it probably is the right advice. However, if it's not working for you or you don't think that it's going to work in your particular life circumstance, don't be afraid to switch it up and not follow this conventional wisdom that you have to do your big, important task first. Don't stick with, this is my personal opinion, because we're talking about opinion here. Don't stick with frog eating just because it's something you think you should do or you hear about it on a podcast or you see this really smart person uh, talking about it or reading a book about it. Don't stick with that just because you think it's something you should do and don't feel like you're doing something wrong if you've tried it and it doesn't work for you. Yeah, this is something I've seen all the time all over AsianEfficiency.com and our blog comments and the customer support emails that we get from people. And even someone on the team, Marie, can't eat that frog. She always likes to start with something really small and kind of build momentum and work her way up to the bigger task, right? And so if eating your frog or doing the most important thing first in the morning doesn't work for you, don't be afraid to switch it up, like Brooke said. And I do say that I think this is the thing that everybody should be doing, ideally. And if you've never tried it, try it first. Give it a fair shake first before you you know jump off the cliff here. But I do think this is the most effective way to do something because I've seen just so many people procrastinate in the morning because they're waiting for the right moment before they tackle the big thing, right? And the idea why this is so effective for a lot of people is that, you know, if you get a first thing done, then you can go on with the rest of the day knowing that, you know, that was probably the worst thing that happened, right? Which is the whole Mark Twain quote. And so uh, we even had somebody on a podcast, Aaron Chase from $5 Dinners, talk about, you know what, Brooks, um, I love your podcast. You know, I love Asian efficiency. But the one thing that just does not work for me is eating that frog. Do you remember that episode? Yeah, exactly. So we had uh, Aaron Chase on TPS 226. So we'll, again, we'll link to that in the show notes. And she said exactly that. And she wasn't apologetic. You know, she's very successful in her business. And it was more declarative, like, this is what works for me. She says, you know, you guys always talk about the eating your frog. And that's what I always read. But it, she says it just doesn't work for me. She's tried it. 
Because like you said, and we always recommend it, we think it is the best thing for most people. If you're having procrastination problems, you definitely want to give that a try. And she says she's tried it multiple times because, you know, you keep hearing that that's what you should do, but it didn't work for her. And for her, what she found is that she finds that she just can't focus on her most important task if she knows that that there are kind of unknowns lurking out there in her email inbox or from her team or these these small but urgent things to do she can't focus on her most important task if she knows those are out there so what she did and this has been successful for her and we talk about how she structures her day and her week in that episode she doesn't let those things distract her instead what she does is she goes she finds out what's out there, you know, what's in her email inbox, what's in her her Slack or whatever it is that they use for internal communications, and then goes through, captures whatever it is to what she uses for tasks, maybe takes care of a few kind of initial things, and then starts on her frog because she knows that there aren't any of those explosions lurking out there. So she uses time blocking to structure her day so that she has certain times that she knows she's going to be working on her important task. And then that's how she avoids letting the little things distract her because she has her time blocked. She is one of the most productive people I know. I'd actually love to have her back on the show. So I definitely recommend checking out TPS 226. If you are somebody that you found that this frog eating or most important task thing doesn't work for you, definitely check out that episode. So that is our fourth take of today. You don't have to do your most important task first, okay? I'm still going to say you should do it, but uh, Brooke says no. So we're going to agree and disagree there. But that is our fourth take of today. So if you've been listening to today's episode and you think, wow, this is really interesting and I really learned a lot, what do I do next? One of the things we always like to do at Asian Efficiency and also on the Productivity Show, our podcast here, is to make sure that everything that we share with you is simple and actionable, right? So the first thing that we recommend you do is just to pay attention to the way you work currently. Is there anything you are doing right now that you're just doing because you've always done it that way or because someone said to you that you should do it? Maybe it's a methodology, maybe it's an app, maybe it's a tool, maybe it's something you just do routinely on a regular basis, but challenge yourself there and say, well, if I were to start all over again from scratch, Would I do those things the same way? And if not, maybe there's an opportunity for change there, right? So uh, when it comes to this episode, really think about how you can challenge yourself to say, okay, I've done something in a particular way, didn't work for me whatsoever. Maybe there's an opportunity there for me to change something so that it can work for me. So we shared four popular takes here today that we think are a little bit more controversial. And just think about those four and see how you can implement it in your life. Do you wish there were more hours in a day? Are you behind on your to-do list? If you want to be more productive and get proven tools to help you save time, then you must check out our new productivity assessment. Within two minutes of taking this free assessment, the tool will generate a personal recommendation list of which apps, tools, and strategies that will work for you based on your life situation. To take the assessment, just go to theproductivityshow.com slash quiz. Again, that URL is theproductivityshow.com slash quiz. Take their free assessment today and you'll be on your way to becoming superhuman productive. Thanks for joining us and we'll see you next Productive Monday.